Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Well, hello to you again. We are here once again with another glorious episode of the Music Survival Guide podcast. This week, I've got an interview with Ian of Amongst Liars, and we chat about loads of great things. We chat about dealing with breaking gear during a gig. How do you react to that well? Not being afraid of a pop label and making your music accessible to people. And that, that dilemma of being independent versus getting a label deal. I'm going to predict to you that Amongst Liars is a band that you're going to hear more and more about as they carry on going, because I think they're on a great trajectory to do great things, to be honest with you. It's also worth mentioning that during the interview, Ian mentioned they had an album launch gig a few weeks away from when we were recording it. Now, subsequently, because of COVID, obviously, the gig had to get rescheduled and it's actually been rescheduled to early September, which is just a few weeks away from the release date of this episode. If you're free, I would highly recommend going to see them live. They're a really good band. Well worth it. Um, I've got to warn you that this episode didn't technically go to plan. Um, we recorded it and it was great, but the recording failed. And so I've got a backup version, but it's a sort of quite low res version. So it's not quite the same quality that I'd like in terms of the recording, but it was such a good interview. I didn't want to have to try and redo it and things like that. Also, it's worth saying that we recorded this on the absolute hottest day of the year. So I have a fan going, <laughs> um, sorry, but not sorry. It was just, I just needed to, to in order to not melt. But there we go. Anyway, I'm going to stop yabbering on. I'm just going to say on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Ian of Amongst Liars. Ian, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Hot, but apart from that, I'm all good. Yeah, we're recording this on the warmest day in the history of Britain, basically. <laughs> so... Yeah, if we, but I don't know. I was going to say if we sound sweaty, I'm not really sure that's a thing. If we sound exhausted, then that might be why. Um, I'm not sure you can sound sweaty, but anyway. Uh, my, <laughs> my first question to you, as always, is from an online random question generator. And my first question for you is what is something that you would never wear? Uh, that's a good question. I generally wear most of things, even as a bet. Um, <laughs> I would wouldn't wear a. Uh, this, I'm gonna get all political to start with. I wouldn't wear a Tory MP Rosac. <laughs> That's wow. Okay, <laughs> That's not the answer I was expecting, but there we go. I'll take that. I'll, I'm sure people can work out what you're trying to say. <laughs> and there we go. Sorry, it's the heat game to me already. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So my first um, real question is, how did you get into music? Um, it's a bit of a random one for me because I never did a lot when I was a kid. Um, I always listened to music and my dad's records and stuff like that, but I was mm. never really interested in it at all. And it wasn't until I was probably about 15 um, that I went along. My mum's a teacher um, and I went along to one of her school sort of... Um, the school I went to, it was very traditional. It was like you were kind of just like... it was. It was piano or nothing, and it was just like really old, old school kind of nothing exciting about music at all. Um, and I went along to one of my mum's. She had a school concert, and I just had to come along one day to it. And I suddenly saw these kids just that were up playing rock and roll, and they were like playing drums and guitars and and pianos and and stuff like that. And I was thinking, well, what's this? Um, and I was quite obviously that's the first sort of exposure to it I mean I guess I was pretty at 14 actually um, and then I just got talking to the the music teacher at that school and then I started doing music lessons with him because he was just really just 
chilled, really, really cool guy. And I just wanted to do what they did. And I, I gradually found myself sort of more going to, down the music route. And I picked up things quite quickly. And I taught myself the guitar. And I, I started off playing the saxophone, actually, um, with this teacher. And then I self-taught myself guitar um, and a bit of piano and a bit of drums and stuff. And, and then I started writing songs. And so it sort of it all snowballed from there, really. And then I said to my mum when I was about sort of uh, 19, I said, I want to be a musician now. And that was that. <laughs> Game well, over. What a declaration. Exactly, yeah. Did she despair at hearing that or was she encouraging her? Yeah, probably. Probably she still yeah, <laughs> she still despairs, but it's it's what it is, isn't it? It's where you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how did the band get together in the first place? So this band's I mean, this came out of two bands that originally I was in a band um called Catalina Kicks and the other guys were in a band called Saint Apache and we fortuitously kind of met on the roads um, touring back in 2017 and we played a, played a show together and we stayed in touch because they were quite local so I was kind of sort of more Brighton Worthing way and they were all Eastbourne way so I sort of stayed in touch with them and then I saw that they'd lost their singer around probably April May 2019 and then my mm. band sort of fell apart in July August 2019 and I sort of just reached out and I said oh yeah, I didn't know what what really know what I was doing and I think it kind of been in this band and it had been doing pretty well for sort of five to six years and it all fell apart. And I just sort of literally just reached out and I messaged them on um, on Facebook, I think, and just said, oh, are you, um, are you, I know you're probably looking for a singer. You've probably found someone. Um, do you fancy kind of having a chat if you haven't? And they got back straight away and I met with Leo in, um, and for a coffee and a chat and we just took it from there really. So that was kind of late 2019. And we just, yeah, it just it just worked straight away. Really, we we've both been sort of let down in in various guises with bands. We just wanted to do something, and we were on the same wavelength. We're already committed to doing it. We're in the same mm. kind of music and the same sort of sounds, and it just literally worked. So we we sort of started writing and recording pretty much straight away, and we just sort of, impetus just carried on really. So you you had a few conversations. You kind of went, let's see what happens. Let's try and work it out. And then it was straight into, more or less straight into songwriting, just like that, that. Yeah, definitely, pretty much. I mean, it was, it was, I think I met for a chat in, yes, yeah, so late July. And then I went on a holiday for a bit in August. And I was just listening to the, some of the stuff that they sent across um, and some ideas and riffs that he, Leo had had sort of brewing with the guys for, and then I just literally put my, put some stuff over that. And then over and over came out of that. And um, that was obviously a first single. Uh, and then we just, I got together with them and we jammed and it just seemed like it was going to work. And we just, yeah, like I said, we just wrote and wrote and wrote until obviously the pandemic stopped the the actual kind of <laughs> getting together and playing side of things. But then we carried on. I fired some stuff off. We did some Zoom writing and just firing ideas across via sort of via sort of messenger or WhatsApp groups uh, and then just kept on, just plowed through it really. So, yeah. Wow. That's very industrious is how I describe that. Like there's lots of bands who kind of think, oh, you know, we'll meet up, we'll have some jams, we'll see how it goes. But you guys, I guess you, you kind of all knew what you wanted, I guess, from the off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right from the off, I mean, I was always very focused about saying I wanted to do this as a kind of as a as as a living, and I think the other guys were as well. And when you put so much into your other bands, and then you kind of, you do get let down by people. I think you, that's what brought it brought the strength i think and the unity with us because we've both been in a situation that things were going really well and then all of a sudden it just went pear-shaped because we got let down by certain individuals and then it was just quite right that we just want to do this and we realized that you've got to work hard if you want to do it and it could have you know it could have amounted to nothing we could have written 
rubbish songs. Well, it's still people people think they're rubbish songs. <laughs> I don't know, but um, but we just got into this groove about of writing and and really sort of fleshing out as much as we could, I suppose. And it's and it's just works. So where where did the band name come from along the along the way? Good question. It probably took us longer to get the band name than it did the actual um, <laughs> the actual write the album. Um, we we were on this like big messenger group and uh, and it was just like literally throwing ideas at each other because we didn't want to call ourselves any incarnation of the of the two bands that we had. Um, previously to this so it was, we were literally throwing out names and there were some really random names some of which i probably can't repeat on there <laughs> um and then one of the names actually was suggested was kill the tide and that became a single so that mm. didn't work as didn't work as a as a band name kill the tide possibly could but everyone as soon as you say a certain band name everyone well one person would have oh i don't that sounds a bit too much like this or this sounds too much like that or it's taken on all music or spotify or someone else there's another four bands called that already so we wanted something that was quite unique um, and we realised we kind of putting an, an sort of I say an anagram of our initials together. So, liar is Leo, Ian, Adam, Ross, um, oh. and then amongst us. But we did want some kind of I suppose we were writing predominantly about what's going on in the world around us, and so we wanted some kind of sort of modern twist on the world. So you know, there's the conception that amongst liars and thieves, and everyone's kind of in that sort of situation. There's could be a people could take as a political leaning but it's not necessarily it's more just about it's something that's quite relevant to the modern world and it's got our names in it so that's mm. that's in in a crux i suppose that's that's what it is so you start writing songs and then you have to move into doing it online for obvious reasons for you know a couple of years ago let's not mention the c word um <laughs> And I do happen to know that you recorded the album that's as we recording just came out. You recorded it quite early into the pandemic. So did you have a chance to kind of go into the rehearsal room and try it with everyone together? Or was it just see what happens in the recording studio? Ish. I mean, we yeah, we recorded. I mean, we've recorded a few songs. We did it in two batches, basically. We recorded a couple of songs before the pandemic hit. We we sort of started writing in um, sort of September 2019, and then we, with a view to going, and we went December and January 2020. We recorded maybe the first five six songs um, in that time, and then they were mixed, obviously remotely. When when the, obviously we couldn't go into the studios, and then we wrote the other stuff. And then when things opened up again, we went and started rehearsing. And then we um, did some recording and then it obviously got locked down again. So we managed to record the next batch of sort of eight songs um, that time. And then when it opened up fully, we record, we finished it off. So it's, I suppose it was over the period between, we recorded the album between, I suppose, December 2019 and finished it, I suppose, by the end of 2021, really. Mm. I mean, with mixing and everything like that was, was, was bounce back. So we record up in Manchester um so obviously going up to manchester you need to be able to stay there and we obviously couldn't stay there in pandemic times together so but it was yeah it just worked really well and um and we we did some some zoom not zoom rehearsals but we went through stuff with each other and then as soon as things lifted we went straight into the rehearsal room and just like literally just smashed stuff out as quickly as we could <laughs> and then took it and took it up to the took it up to the producer dave who worked with us as well and then took everything apart and started again and sort of reworked everything so it's, so where where do you rehearse at the moment? Do you have a, spe- a specific place or is it kind of wherever? Or Yeah, we've got our own studio down in Eastbourne, actually. Um, oh, cool. <clears throat> Leo and Adam took over a lease for it. So um, 
and rent it out to other bands as well um sort of local bands sort of make a kind of a community there i suppose and and then we've got got the room so we, we usually rehearse once or twice a week maybe sometimes more and they go down there acoustically so we've got 24 hour access to it so it's uh which is good it's kind of could do acoustic stuff during the day because it's above a oh, it's a it's below a tattoo parlor and above a hairdresser so uh, so you can't make any you can't go in and smash make loads of noise during the day but um, at night you can do whatever you want which mm. is cool it's a very handy resource to have i've got to say there's a lot of bands who i can imagine that can be listening on are very jealous but there we go yeah no it's yeah we got really lucky and we've got storage there as well so we didn't store you know have guitars and wall-to-wall amps in our houses as well which is amazing says so but i guess that's also kind of about where you live like in london there's very few bands who are going to have resources for something like that. Yeah, that's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Just the way it goes. So what was your first gig like as a band? I guess it must have been 2020, maybe 21. Depends. There was a weird period in 2020 when we could do a little bit of gigging. Yeah, it was. Um, we did literally one gig. Um, in It was in Nambuka which is obviously now oh, yeah. shut down shut, now shut down and we did that mm. i think it was the 7th of february it was just after our it was the sort of a single over and over came out and um we obviously we thought you know this is the this is the, the sort of test of seeing whether it's going to work as a band or not and it was great it was absolutely packed great sound we went down really well and it was brilliant and um it just it just worked which is amazing and then obviously we we had a tour planned and everything like that and then obviously i think it was kind of last week of feb everything was shut down so that was that was that and we didn't do anything else. We did a few Zoom Zoom festivals and stuff, as you do, mm. or did, um, um, and then didn't gig again until yeah, I can't remember what it was. It was uh, um, following year, I guess, wasn't it? First gig I went to was very early July, and that was one of those weird gigs where everyone was sat down at tables. Oh no, actually, we did we did do an open air festival actually. Oh, um, did Love Rocks Festival around that time, yeah. So mm. that was July. That was early July as well. So we did that, yeah. That was that was a really kind of positive start, I guess, because you didn't know how it was going to go. You'd already had stuff recorded. It's a very, um, it's a very unusual way to go about it compared to a lot of bands who think we've got to start gigging, go for that, and then record. Is there a reason why you did it that way round? Um, I just think we wanted to get the. We just wanted to write as many songs. We didn't really ha- honestly have any songs. We just thought, right, we want to. We we couldn't gig if we hadn't written any songs. So we mm. thought, right, we might as well just write as much as we possibly can. We weed out the the good ones from the from the ones that aren't quite working and get a set together and 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 record. And then obviously when we realised that we couldn't gig, we might we went okay, well let's just go for it and let's just record as much as we possibly can. So that when we yeah. actually can can play again. Then we've got an arsenal of like twenty songs, which we've obviously now got, um, which is which is good. So we released, I think, six singles over the first year, and then obviously the and then another couple of singles this year, and then uh, and then the album. So it's so it's all worked. Now we've run out of songs, so we've got to get back in and start doing some more <laughs> stuff now. Time to start writing again, I guess. Exactly. Oh yeah, we're writing already. So we've written, uh, we've written okay. quite a few songs. So we're doing an acoustic EP fairly soon, and then we've got the album. Hopefully, another album that we've, we're kind of just prepping for at the moment. So uh, yeah, no, that's exciting. Have you had any uh, nightmare experience gigs where things have gone really wrong? You can omit names and places if necessary. Don't worry. Actually, the last one you you actually saw us at the Black Heart. That was a bit bit weird because Leo's. Um, I think either his well, pedals and or. Um, head blue, um, literally mm. toward the penult- penultimate song. We were really lucky, obviously, that didn't happen two songs in because we would have been a bit stuffed. Uh, yeah. But so I just ended the and and luckily it was towards the end of the the song as well. So I just end, ended a cappella, and that was that was that. So we kind of pulled pulled that off really. But uh, but we've we to be honest with you, we've not really played. I mean, we've probably played about, I guess, 
since things have opened up, we've probably only played about 15, 20 shows. So uh, um, everything has so far touched wood, find some wood, um, been, been good <laughs> apart from that one, obviously apart from that one, that the last gig we actually played. Mm. But, um, but even still, we pulled through that and we got lucky. So it was, uh, it was, all, it was all good in the end. Has the problem with the rig been diagnosed or is it still unknown no. yeah he's got the amp's been um the head's been fixed um uh, they right. didn't really know what it was um to be honest with you um and then the the pedal went as well at the same time so there was a power supply <laughs> right. power power supply issue with the with the pedal so that kind of threw everything but when he's got such a massive array of pedals on a board it's like one thing goes down everything goes down so i think it was a mix of both really but uh but it's all been it's all been sorted now which is good cool that's good. Hope, hopefully, anyway, because we've got our album launch party on Friday. So yeah, <laughs> so it better be better be sorted. Better be sorted. A band I saw, I saw a band recently uh, called the Mojo City Rebels, who are getting relatively well known around the UK. So, yeah, so I saw them the other week, and um, the singer Sean was saying that um, their mantra is, "You have a backup of everything, absolutely everything. Just make sure there is something else you can use, and that in, in moments like that, you can just." swap it over relatively quickly yeah no totally i mean that, that's the thing with his pedal board though it's, it was not impossible so if anything goes wrong with that yeah. he just literally had to plug out and plug straight into the but i think we were kind of we were lucky that it didn't happen if it happened two songs in we'd have to have fixed it and he's got us he always yeah. carries a, a spare head and a spare, a spare guitar but it's just that it's that whole that moment of freezing on stage thinking ah what's going what is this now i've got like 20 pedals to try and sort out i don't know whether it's a lead i don't know if it's the guitar i don't know if it's the head i don't know if it's the cabinet the pedal is this pedal this so it's, yeah it's it's it's, uh, it's an absolute nightmare but uh, I've got to say, you you pulled off the the sort of a cappella ending of the song very well. Like it's 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 so easy in a moment like that where something goes wrong for everyone in the band to kind of almost stop what they're doing, look at the the person or the equipment that's gone wrong, and then kind of go, oh well, that's it. But you know, it's remembering you are doing a show and people have paid to see you, so you need to do something. Yeah, that was it. That was the choice. I was thinking, okay, and it kind of lent itself well to it. If that had happened in the middle of the song, God knows what would have done. <laughs> but because it was towards the end of the song, it was like it kind of worked quite nicely. And it was, mm. I think, it's quite it's quite an unusual way to end a gig with just having the acapella vocal on it. So why not? So it's why not indeed. So you say you write songs as a band. Um, you do, it comes in a variety of ways. Um, you've done some in person, some online not necessarily through choice um but how do you write songs as a band do people kind of throw in ideas all together or how does that generally work yeah definitely i mean leo usually comes up with some riffs and then there's one of two ways really he throws the riffs over to me um and then i come up with some some ideas and some vocals and stuff like that or um i'll, I'll come up with an idea on the guitar and throw it to him and then he'll come up with something off the back of that um but then the best way we find that works really well is that he he goes in with adam who's the drummer um, and he works on the, the song structure and a riff um, and and between the two of them. So we get a really good rhythm. And then Ross puts his parts on the bass. And then I come in and, and put the vocals over or we change it up. So once we've mm. kind of got a structure, so it's, it's very much a, a kind of a, a full team effort, I suppose, um, with that. I mean, a couple of songs that have come off quite easy um and it's like anything really some songs they're they're easy to do and other songs they take a while because you have to go and sort of take things apart and and we're quite well adam especially is quite critical about songs which is i, I used to get a bit frustrated about but i think now i mean and i've realized that it's actually to get the best out of the song and he would go you do this song and you think oh, this is great and he'd go nah i don't really like it let's change this and this and this and we do that and it kind of but it brings it makes it better 
and then we'd go up and work with the song again with Dave, who's a producer, and he'd go, okay, we'll try this, try this, try this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And and we kind of so it's it's very much a collective, and there's there's no one way we do it. But generally, I suppose it's Leo coming up with something working with Adam and throwing it back to me at the same time and then mm. going in together with all of us to see what we can actually kind of create, I suppose. So when you're writing songs together, do you consciously go in with the idea of this is the band's style? So if you were to ask me what the the notable parts of your kind of writing style of the last album, it's it's very rhythmic like there's a strong emphasis on rhythm and there's a strong emphasis on um i don't know how to describe it particular kind of catchy melodic hooks that's that's the kind of main main things that i take away i don't know if you write with that in mind or yeah i mean we just i suppose we write in lots of different different styles and different because i think the album's quite sort of diverse in in what it is because i don't Mm. we don't particularly like these bands that all sound the same all the way through the through the album so we, we wanted to have a bit of variety in it um uh, and so I think melodies, you kind of, I don't know, just making something a bit more accessible to you can go out and you can thrash stuff out and you can be sort of not so melodic and still have a great, great thing. But you can also, if you can try and introduce a bit of melody, it makes it more sort of, I suppose, radio friendly. And ultimately, mm. if it doesn't get played, no one's going to listen to it unless you kind of, you're gigging furiously, which we couldn't necessarily do. So we want to make something as accessible as possible, really. But but yeah, rhythm's definitely, you know, having a really strong groove and a rhythm to it is, is the most, is really important, really strong riffs. Yeah. Uh, and then, and having that kind of, yeah, having just like a, having a melodic, um, but not overly modern, you know, not making it pop, but making it accessible, I suppose. So, so it's, you can kind of, someone can easily digest it, if you see what I mean, mm. rather than just having to take about 20 listens to, to like it. Because these days, people's attention spans so short. You've got millions of songs coming out every day on Spotify. And and it's just like, you've you've literally got to capture the, the listeners. And we write for ourselves, but you know we want something that's quite instant it's easy to digest and people can kind of get it straight away because mm. if you don't then there's likelihood you're going to be washed over by all the other bands releasing stuff um because there's so much competition i suppose so it's it's just making it sort of doing what we want to do but having that sort of having a bit of an edge to it but also having that having that melody that kind of cuts through i suppose that people can kind of quite easily sing along to really i mean that's the the challenge isn't it these days i think something that i found interesting is you veered away from the word pop and i think a lot of bands are quite afraid of of sort of the label of pop but i think it just does just come down to you're making something that's quite catchy that's that's popular hence the definition and that that people can kind of listen to and go oh i like that particular part of the song or whatever and it kind of just clicks with them i think a lot of bands are quite scared of that in a way yeah they are i mean it's but then you know you look at the bands that do a similar kind of thing you know i mean the bands we sort of emulate and want to sort of fit royal bloods audio slave shine down rage against the machine they've all got that alternative heavy kind of um, you know bring mm. me the horizon they've got the alternative heavy thing but their songs are accessible at the same point so it's it's like they've got and you know i wouldn't call any of them pop but they've got that they've got that kind of i don't know it's just it's like a it's just that accessibility and, and what they're both what they're saying and also the melodies that come across that makes them i suppose the big bands they are because you know it's, it's just as much as you love bands that that do something really out there and alternative and sort of extreme 
it, it depends what everyone wants, I suppose, really, out of it. Um, you know, I think for us, it's just we want to just play as much as we possibly can, get as many stages as we can. Um, and, you know, you limit yourself in a sense if you're if you're doing something that's that's really kind of just sort of not out there and different, but something that's, that doesn't lend itself to be, kind of, like you said, popular, I suppose. That's fair. That's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> it, it feels to me like you've really thought through as a band what you're about as it were like there's loads of bands who kind of just go well we'll just start writing you know and we'll see see where we end up but it feels to me like you're a band with direction so i can put it that way yeah definitely we kind of knew what we what the bands we like and love mm. are um and we also know that we look like loads of different styles of music you know adam's really into hip-hop for example ross is more into is into really into kind of dance music um leo's into kind of a bit of everything i'm into a bit of everything as well and but obviously we're more rock focused so it kind of all just merges together really and we just like it just sits this in this pot and we all bring our different influences and, and it sort of it's kind of found its own direction i suppose but then there's some you know some things we play and we go nah that's we're not going to be ever going to play that because it's <laughs> that is that's just not us or that it just doesn't sound right or we could rework that and you know it's it's just one of those things that sort of happens i suppose yeah so how is the the band managed is there a single person who's sort of quote unquote in charge or do you share out tasks or how, how do you go about that basically and i sort of do the, the we've got a, a sort of manager that helps us with the various sort of industry bits and pieces but um i think leo and i basically do the do the running of everything and um we've got a sort of a, a sort of a small deal as well and stuff but we all kind of just do we want to keep everything ourselves at the moment because being in other bands i was signed like quite a few years ago to a and i sort of to a fairly large label um with, with an old band of mine and i just ended up losing everything you know because you, you, mm. you um you lost your publishing you lost your songs you you owed you know 150 grand worth of recording and advance expenses and it's just you know you don't and it's so it's soul destroying when you do that you yeah. put all this stuff out to create your stuff and so we just thought, right, at the moment, we want to build it to the position that we can do it ourselves. And it's become, actually, to be honest with you, the album, it's become a full-time job for me, really doing a lot of the sort of the, the promo and the socials and getting sort of the PR. Um, so we've got, we have a separate PR company that we've sort of um, employed. But we thought, you know, treat it like a business, I suppose. And we just wanted to do as much as we possibly could. And me and Leo sort of, yeah, just we run different sides of it. And we all, we work really intuitively, I suppose, with each other and say, this is, you know, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. And just one of us goes, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And the other two, um, they just, they, yeah, they're, they're not really sort of that way geared up. So they, they do the promotion and they help with all the stuff there. But we know right from the start, and they know right from the start, and they don't engage with that because that's not what they, they, they kind of, but they're behind it. 100% and they'll do what they can to support mm. which is good but um but largely we yeah kind of we I'd say we're self-managed with a manager if, if that makes sense <laughs> we haven't got anything um and a, and, a, and a, a label but um but we're kind of just literally trying to sort yeah we, we're just trying to take up step at a time really and the next mm. things is to get ourselves a decent booking agent so we can kind of get out there and and we've been largely doing booking ourselves and touring ourselves and getting getting in touch with the kind of the the promoters and festivals and stuff ourselves but i think it's got to the point now that after this album we hopefully should be you know we need to take it up another notch and start getting a booking agent with support tours and bigger things going up really it's one of those difficult things isn't it that that being signed often comes with i mean with good <laughs> good companies comes with a lot of publicity 
and they're really good at that side of things. But then it's the, the flip side of that is what are you sacrificing to get that publicity? That's the difficulty, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And that's that's all you know. That's that's the the myth of the the music business. I found that out at a very early age. Is that you know you get you get something and you get the world thrown at you. And then as soon as it's there, you can have it taken away just like that, snap of the fingers, and you kind of lose everything you've been working for. So it's like, and then you have to start up again and you've lost, you've got nothing. So we wanted to obviously maintain as much control until the right thing, hopefully, well, the right thing, we think the right thing comes along. And in which case we'll we'll kind of assess and say whether it's worth us just doing this independently because we've got obviously quite a good fan base now that we can actually, mm. we can release records independently if we wanted to. But at the same point, you know, to have a, a, a label backing you and to, and, to, and to cover the cost of a lot of stuff, sometimes, you know, is it worth giving up 50% of your recordings for that if someone's going to bring you to bigger stages and, and to more widely known, I suppose. So it's, it's a bit of a catch-22, I suppose. It's a real trade-off, isn't it? The uh, I think a lot of younger bands, I'm going to put it that way, um, will often find themselves falling for the first deal that comes to their door and i think it's is it not always it's often a mistake to do that because if you build up a following for yourself however big or small that may be whoever in a record label is going to hopefully notice that and go well actually they're they're doing really well so maybe we should cut them a slightly better deal that's kind of ultimately the way these things go isn't it and you re- do really need to be careful about what you're signing <laughs> before you do oh massively you know i've learned that from from very bad learned experience that you need to yeah you need to be and then it's also yeah just don't rush into the first thing that you you do because i've done that many a time and it's just this it's being a dreamer that's the problem isn't it you think oh someone's <laughs> believing me and they're going to give me this and they're going to do this and do this and then it's like oh so but you know it's you live you learn and you write songs about it so <laughs> it's the flip side so uh but um it's yeah it's, it's just at the moment we got we're at the point that obviously you know, I think we we want we're seeing what's coming along, um, and we'll make a decision of what we're going to do. And it might be that we don't do anything. But I'd, I'd rather not not do anything and just do everything ourselves than be stuck in something that we we lose everything and can't get out of. What, in your opinion, is the biggest success of the band so far? I think the album in itself, because obviously we just did that completely ourselves, um, and we sort of yeah we. I mean, obviously, we wrote it, or we produced it, we've we've marketed it, we've we've just literally we did this completely in house. We funded it. We we sort of through sort of pre sales and crowdfunds and, and our own stuff as well. Which is you know it's, that was no mean feat to sort of launch this business, I suppose. Um, and we're we're really proud of that with all the videos that we've done with it and the artwork and stuff. We want to create this this whole package and the vinyls themselves when they turned up were amazing. And it's just to see it. Yeah, there that was a really big moment mm. um i mean in terms of like actually playing getting the support with um theory of a dead man recently was that was like a okay this is taking it up another notch level <laughs> um so we did that and that was that was amazing so our manager basically um said um would you like to do he said he actually was quite coy about it he said oh are you free on these two dates and we said um <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll make ourselves free and then about didn't hear anything out about it and so he works with like big bands like shinedown and um and hailstorm and blackstone cherry and stuff like that and you know, obviously theory as well and uh, we didn't really think anything about it and um, we just let it let it go and then he just um said um he messaged us saying oh by the way you're supporting theory at the o2 um in on the 12th of july we were like oh okay that's cool <laughs> and so we and so we just went along and did that yeah we just went along did that show and that was immense i mean we didn't know how busy it was going to be 
because that was the download weekend as well and it was just like we think okay it's gonna then we stayed backstage did really not seeing anything and then we walked on stage and it was absolutely rammed and it was just amazing it was one you know it's the best gig we've played busiest gig we've played today made loads and loads of new fans off the back of it and it was it was great you know so it's uh so that was that's the kind of that was the moment i suppose playing live yeah kind of realization when you walk on stage and go oh here we are <laughs> this is cool i can see people as far as i can see it's brilliant yeah so um what what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or so so um i suppose like i said we want to we're going to record obviously um acoustic ep um and we want to get start recorded the um the album as well um and obviously written both of those <laughs> it's quite important um and so that's going to take us up probably until the end of this year and then put them out as well um <clears throat> another goal is to obviously we need to get like i said um get a, a booking agent on board um and or talk to talk to labels for the for the next album um to talk about funding and stuff like that and so or investors or whatever so um so that you know they're the goals as well for for that period of time the, that means we can have a really big um 2023 i guess um and so we can be have played lots and loads of shows release another album and release other things and just keep the momentum going because you obviously you need to do that totally sounds like a solid plan to me yeah no definitely yeah it's looking forward to it it's exciting yeah. so my final question for you is uh to close out the podcast i'd like to ask for your favorite song from the band to play at the end of the episode so uh which song is it and why i like loads of different songs from the album but i, but I think for me one of my favorite songs is that was our first single which is over and over um we and it's just that to me that's we knew i think we had something um when that when we started playing that song and we we got it together and we've had a we slightly remixed it um for the, for the album when we did the album as well so we put a bit more kind of sort of sort of weirdness and synth and stuff over it which lends it to the self the more of the album um sound uh but again i just yeah that's definitely probably just because it was the first song that we put out and the first song that as a band we thought actually yeah this is working and we've got something here and so yeah over and over it's got to be that one nice well this is amongst liars with over and over ian it's been really great to talk with you that's been a pleasure thanks very much for having me